Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favorite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hi, welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking David Kerwin. Head of Technology Central Ireland. How are you doing, David? Very good, Ronan. How are you? Great, thanks. And before we start, tell us a bit about background so you know who you are. Okay. Uh, as you said, my name's Dave Kerwin. Uh, I have the pleasure of leading Accenture's technology practice uh, for Ireland. So that is the, you know, that covers the seven, 700 or so people we have doing technology work across, uh, across pretty much all client industries and across all technologies. And uh, I guess that must be an interesting job. It is, it is. Uh, it is a job I've been doing for quite some time. Um, and the reason I'm still doing it is because um, I'm still learning. Uh, I, you know, the client, our clients are still coming up with new problems and that, uh, that keeps things interesting. And technology keeps changing. Uh, technology keeps giving us more opportunities um, to do interesting stuff with our clients, which is great. And also, I guess, you, you basically have a handle on, on what's new and what's coming in the line. You have an idea of, of this is going to be big in, in next year or this is going to be big in two months' time. We do, we do. And that's always one of the, one of the interesting uh, things, looking, looking to the future, both a long way into the future to see what are the things we need to be worried about in kind of two, three years down the road, um, but also more immediately around the corner, uh, what do we think our clients need to be doing in the next six months and what technologies do we think they need to be embracing and what technologies are now at a point where they can start having a real business impact. Because to me, I, I'm doing more and more podcasts now on NFTs. And to me, NFT is something that about, about a year or so ago, I heard about them, didn't know much about them. Nowadays, I'm seeing they use more and more. I'm seeing more and more. Like, I did a podcast which I published this morning about a company called uh, DNAverse. And they have now, they use DNA to verify who you are as a person. So when you're on the NFT space, it can verify that you're real and not, not a bot. And that to me is interesting. And it's it kind of thing that I'm thinking, okay, this is a great that you can use your DNA to verify who you are, but also you, you know by what they're using. They use technology to make sure that your DNA isn't, isn't compromised. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And I also think that it plays into one of the areas that I think is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger in the whole tech space in, in the next while, and that is identity. Yeah. And, and proving and having confidence in somebody's identity. And, you know, you know, some of the stuff we're going to talk about later, that's going to be, that is one of the important elements of, of it. Because I think it's fair to say that if we look at the current version of the internet, identity was almost an afterthought yeah. on some of this um, and that has driven a lot of the anonymity which has made the current online world a less pleasant and indeed a less safe place I would say. Because yeah, I'm looking at it like when someone says to me oh yeah I'm giving you my DNA how do I know what's going to say I'm saying well if you go to a foreign country or you're flying in or out somewhere and you give them your passport on the passport they can, they can track where you've been who you are they get your photograph, your date of birth. They can, they can, have, and you're happy to give them that, and that's going to a to a country, a foreign country, or or an Irish government or some government. They can track that. You have to give them that. But yeah, with DNA, we know it's going to be anonymized. You're not. What's the difference? I said, surely, uh, you're happy to give one mind the other. Yeah, and look, this is where we start getting into the area of trust, trust yeah. and transparency. I would say, um, you know, we need to. 
we need to trust we need to understand have an understanding as to how our data is going to be used and that's why you know enterprises and you know when i say enterprises i include the government need to be able to give people a level of transparency and then people need to make the decision as to whether they whether they whether they actually trust that um and as i said i think that's just an area that's going to become bigger and bigger as we spend more and more of our time in this online uh, or virtual world yeah because to me trust is all about it if you can't build trust with people they're not going to want to use your product correct correct it's as simple as that and we've seen some evidence of that recently you know where businesses data has been compromised for customer information has been compromised through hacks and that has uh, that has had huge impact on um on companies who've been victim of those hacks because people want their data to be safe and they want to have a level of confidence that and uh, their day's data is not going to be used in an inappropriate manner i'm looking at the hsc hack i've got since last year lots of more more, more spam texts and emails I think it's because hate to see hack they got my data and that's it. But I mean, I'm sure others in the same boat as me. And uh, they, if you can build a system where you know that your data is safe and secure, then you're not going to be too worried. Absolutely, and I think that's you know that's going to be one of the foundations of the next generation of the internet. Um, yeah. You know, Web three and and that side of things. I do think, you know, when you talk to the when you talk to the the big brains who are architecting that trust is so much at the center of all of their thinking now because i do think it's one of the huge learnings that we have taken from if you like the first generation of the internet where i don't want to say it was an afterthought but it certainly wasn't front of mind um because um uh because i guess the focus was more on, on the on the basics yeah if you look at social media for example if you have a social media app and it was launched today not 10 or 12 years ago First foreman is going to be privacy and, and, and how your data is used. Twelve years ago, it was, it was an afterthought. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, completely agree. And that's scary when you think about that. Twelve years ago, you're you're you were using this, not realizing how important your your profile and data was. You think, oh yeah, I'm, I'll fill in, and I say something right. So you're happy to go to a social media platform and fill in, give me information away, and then you type in every day your latest updates of what you're doing. It's like basically using it as your personal diary. You're happy to, to give them that and let them to monetize that, whereas uh, you wouldn't let me access your own personal diary. What's the difference? Yeah, I think look, people have demonstrated that they are willing to they do things online um, with their with their data um, and with quite personal stuff that they wouldn't dream of doing in the real world. Yeah, uh, which has always amazed me. It's always baffled me that. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, people will uh, will will give away a huge amount of information to be, you know, for I don't know x number of air miles, as an example. Yeah. But you know, when you look at the monetary value of those air miles, um, it's not a whole lot. Um, so it's it's funny the way people's minds work in that in that respect. And I always look at that. I always say, look, if a product is free, why is it free? And it. The moment you pay for servers, there's less chance your data is going to be abused and used. Whereas if it's free, it's going to, you know it's going to happen. Yeah, I you know I agree with that. But at the same time, you look at the uh, you look um, at at a lot of say the news services yeah. um, online, right? And for years we've been having the paywall, non-paywall debate. Yeah. Um, and you know it's consistently shown that actually most people are not willing to 
to pay and you know the more popular news websites you know whether, whether it be the journal rt or bbc they are those without the paywalls and when the paywalls come into effect they tend to drive traffic down well for the journal the only paywalls they have there is when you're accessing some of the sports coverage and they got like their their uh, podcast and all that that was buying paywall at times but other than that that got it but when you had to, when you don't have a paywall you end up getting more advertising coming in and that's yeah. one thing people mightn't like seeing the half the page is advertising yeah, absolutely. But look, you know, people. There's a cost to everything. You got to pay. You got you got to pay for everything. Whether it's uh, paying through, I don't want to say bombardment of ads. Yeah. Uh, but if you're looking at content and you're not paying for it, uh, the company needs to be paid somehow. Oh, I do agree. That, um, I can't knock that. I mean, I do agree. And at times, certain apps like I go to, I do know I'm going to get ads targeted towards me. And said, look, fine. That's what I get for for getting a free version of the site and not having to uh, have a paywall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So getting back to uh, what we're talking about today, we're talk- mainly here talking about the Accenture's latest TechVision report for 2022. So tell me a bit about some of the findings that you found in the, in, in the, in the report. All right. Um, well, firstly, look, the theme of this year's report is Meet Me in the Metaverse. Yeah. Um, but before launching into the, the, this, the TechVision, I'd like to split it into two blocks right yeah so the, the tech vision report and that describes the key technology trends that that we in accenture believe are going to shape businesses over the next number of years and therefore this is what business folks should be thinking about now but there's also been a survey element which gives very good insight into how these trends and themes currently sit in um in execs thinking and and also what other um technology trends are on their minds and i always like the the first element of it because it um, it surveys a, a series of Ireland execs and we then look at how that compares to the rest of the world um, and it often highlights some subtle differences in the thinking of the Ireland population versus the rest of the world so there were two that really jumped out at me this year which I think are interesting and um, first one is that look you know, there is consensus uh, across the patch that the next generation of the web or web three and the metaverse is going to fundamentally change how businesses interact with customers online. And the majority of Ireland execs, you know, do believe that the metaverse is going to have a positive effect on their business, but it's significantly less than actually the number who think it's going to have a transformational impact. So, for Ireland, it's it was twenty six percent, whereas globally it's forty two percent. So, it, the while people accept in Ireland it's going to have an impact, um, they're not as convinced convinced it's going to be a huge game changer. So I think that points to a what I'll call a healthy dose of hype skepticism in the Irish group. Yeah, and I think that's okay, right? I think that's fine uh, because we don't want to get too carried away with the hype. But we also don't want to be so doubting that we get left behind the rest of the world. Um, so I think that's just um, just one watch. Um, the other one then that jumped out at me um, is I thought there were some interesting findings on AI. Um, yes. First of all, it has become very pervasive across businesses and indeed across everything now. Uh, its use is just the norm. So it's not really been seen as something else. Um, I don't think that's a shock to people. But I think what was in, well, what was interesting to me is that there's still a trust challenge. So only 19% of Irish respondents uh, said they trusted that AI has been used to improve their lives and experiences. 
19%. And again, that's well off the global nor, uh, the global number of 42%. So I think that highlights quite a quite a big gap. Um, so so those were the two things that really jumped out at me. If you like, I think it's it's positive. I think it's great to see such an openness to emerging technologies. Uh, and I think that has no doubt been helped by COVID um, and the role that tech played in keeping businesses and indeed um, much broader than businesses society connected during that time but there are some worries i think we need to overcome um by businesses as we uh, move into the next wave of digitization uh, in order to bring consumers and employees along with us um so that's they're the that they were the ireland findings uh if you like from the survey element the uh, the next element then is the actual report itself so as i said the, the this year's theme is meet me in the metaverse um and there is a bit of a danger that people see the title and they think it's all about VR headsets and therefore it's less relevant to them. And that's wrong, okay? Um, and I think that would be an error and I think that maybe explains some of the stuff I mentioned earlier, some of the um, slight scepticism. Um, so the metaverse, at least how we're describing it, it shouldn't be seen as just VR headsets. Um, it should be seen as the next evolution of the internet. Yeah. And a continuum of technologies that allows the virtual or digital worlds and the real worlds to, to closer merge and then ease the interaction between these. So an element of it is VR, absolutely, but it includes lots of other elements and technologies to make it happen. Um, it includes 2D and 3D. So you could say we've already, if you like, started this journey, given the 2D world that so many of us have been living in for the last two and a bit years. Yeah. Um, so look, we are in the early days. Uh, it will advance very quickly, given the focus that the big tech players are putting on it. And I think um, if companies don't act now, at least in their thinking, the, the danger is they get left behind very quickly. So a level of hype scepticism is reasonable, but we just need to balance that a little bit. Yeah, when this, this time last year, I did a podcast on the metaverse on a product called Jartopia, which has been W's vision of the metaverse. And they had this create the metaverse. And what it did was you walk around this kind of small little place, but like your second life years ago, walk around, you can interact people. And there might be interaction with Telebit, latest BMW products, latest car, latest engine, and what they're doing, developing for the future. And it was great, and I, I got to talk to the guy who developed it, and he told me how it worked, and in the last day of Jotopia, Coldplay did a live concert in this. And it reminded me years ago, Second Life, and he had concerts in there as one, and it didn't require you to have anything like a headset. As long as you can go online on a mobile device, like a tablet or a smartphone or, or a laptop computer, you can access it. And to me, yeah. it showed you that, like I said earlier, it, it didn't, it's not about VR headsets. Obviously, that's going to be part of the future, but right now, that's not important. Not everyone's got that. So to me, it was great to see, everyone see what it was and see the vision of how it can be. And then they're going to realize the future that to get more immersive, you require a headset. But at the moment, that's, not, that's optional. Yeah, and that's why I like the idea of it being a continuum, yeah. right? It's not just one thing, it's a series of things. Um, there is an example in the report that um, I really like. Um, I would have grown up doing a lot of um, technology in quite operational environments, so factories, warehouses, things like that. So I like the, uh, the real life, the real world examples. But in this one, and it is a little futuristic, but only a little. Um, it, it, it describes a construction worker working on a construction site um, and at about four o'clock in the afternoon his AI personal assistant appears through his AR glasses um, or hologram but in this one I think we'll go with the AR glasses 
And that's the AI assist as personal AI assistant is to brings them through the status of the activities for the day. They tick off what's been done, what hasn't been done. And then he gets told he has a meeting with the city planner uh, next. So he goes into his office, pops on his VR headset, finds himself in the city planner's office, meets the city planners. Um, and they then go through the status of the work on site, drone footage superimposed upon the plan, the, the plans to actually be able to talk um, using that real data, real pictures uh, as to where they actually are and whether there are any deviations. Um, and then at the end of that, pops off the headset, goes back to the, if you like, the real world. But I quite like that as, a, as an example because we're using, um, we're using AR, we're using VR, and we're using AI. And we're using it all in quite a real-world scenario. And actually, while when you pull all of that together, it sounds a little bit futuristic. But actually, if you look at each of those technology bits individually, they're all there today. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is not, it's not really pie in the sky. And I would be, I'd be amazed if we weren't seeing scenarios like that playing out in the next number of years. Well, right now, I'm thinking of Microsoft HoloLens. And I've seen that over the years, uh, how it's been used by engineers to develop product and then you can actually go, go into a headset, put it on and go into a room where you can see a 3D visualization of our product you're designing and you can show how it works. And that and yeah. that to me is exactly what you're talking about. Now obviously HoloLens isn't every day yet, but it will be one day. No, absolutely. There's another example I've seen, I think it was a mock-up where um, you have an engineer on site. And I think this one, this, this could be really cool. Engineer on site, um, they are looking at a piece of plant maintenance. Now, in one scenario, they put on the, the VR headset and that then guides them through the, the maintenance process, right? And I, you know, I've done that kind of, I've been in that, I've done some of that myself and it's interesting, but in the, in another one, they simply take their phone, they put it over the machine and it almost, it gives them an image of what's going on inside of the machine, where the various different parts are and whatnot. Yeah. And I think that, again, that's no extra hardware. That's not a headset or anything like that. But it is, it's bringing the, if you like, the, um, the digital technology and the real world together. Yeah, it's like AR. When AR first came out on the iPhone, once it came on that, then basically it became standardized more or less as a thing that you have to have. And I think that to me is a, is a version of AR and it's great. Oh, yeah. And I think in an operational environment, you know, uh, we will soon have operators going into warehouses. They'll be wearing their glasses and they'll be guided as to what pallets to pick from what's going on and the, what they're being shown in their glasses rather than what they're looking at on a handheld radio frequency device, which is more more often the norm. And also, than, yeah. than and you if you can get a view of that coming up outside and you look at the view and you want to see... Like say, there's an, you're looking at an at an engine in a factory, and there's something wrong with the engine part or machinery part. If you can see how your machinery is working, look at it, and then you can see, oh, I see this this got to be replaced, or or that's faded away. That I have to change that. You know what exactly what to do. And that's exactly it. And look, that's another key element of the vision. You know, it's this it's the physical world coming alive with technology, and that's already happening today. You know, we're seeing, um, you know, in factories. Uh, you know, Internet of Things sensors being placed into the various um, machines. We're seeing things like intelligent cruise ships where people are guided around the ship to the most um, uh, uh, to, 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 to the most efficient um, thing they're looking for. Um, but this 
this is only starting and this is going to be extended and extended you know to smart cities and smart countries and this is going to be one of the key enablers for for mer- allowing this merging of the digital and uh, and physical worlds yeah i guess right now you mentioned earlier people who basically don't trust new technologies well, i think it's going to be like luddites technology they're going to end up having to use it and then i might be worried will ar and vr will that take away some of some jobs that are already out there I'm thinking it won't because it will make your job easier because you're not doing the same mundane, boring task day in, day out. It's done with somebody else. And when you're not doing a mundane task, you're not going to make mistakes. Yeah, I think that with any technology change, and we had this, we had this discussion with AI as well a number of years ago, with any technology change, there will always be displacement. Yeah. Um, and uh, however... With any technology change, it also creates opportunities. And we've seen that, you know, I'm not a history buff, but I know you go back industrial revolution and from that point forward. So I think AI will be the same. I think it will create, it will certainly um, uh, render certain jobs obsolete, right? But yeah. I do believe it will create a whole pile of new ones that we, we're not even imagining today. Yeah, and if you can, if you can streamline your job, so basically you're just doing what you should be doing, what you enjoy doing, Rather than the daily mundane tasks, it's going to be it's good. you're going to find your job more enjoyable. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, what AI is really good at is removing the, a lot of the grunt, right? Yeah. It's the tra- it's the it's the dull stuff that, frankly, most people don't enjoy anyway. Um, so, you know, one of the positives here is it does allow people for, uh, it does free up people's time to allow them to focus on the more creative. Um, the creative or fulfilling aspects of, of, of their jobs, regardless of, you know, what that role is. Like 30 years ago, you might see jobs going for a data entry clerk. Nowadays, that's all done by AI. That's gone. Absolutely, yeah. Well, most of it is because yeah. the AI has gotten to the point where... Um, where it can handle it. I mean, I think, you know, you look at the... in the, in the call centre space as well, the, the natural language processing... Has not, you know, it, it has not replaced a lot of call agents, um, but it is constantly improving. It is, it is getting there. Um, I think a key challenge will be where the point at which people become more comfortable dealing with the machine than they are dealing with the with the with the person. Um, so, for example, one of the one of the one of the elements of the tech vision is, you know, it talks about. Um, it talks about authentic versus real, right? Yeah. And the when does it matter, right? Um, you know, a lot of people online they think um, real versus fake, but actually, if 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 the agent you're dealing with is um, is powered through AI, and they are being um, they're legitimate and they are authentically looking to do the best job for you then, and they can do it efficiently and they're easy to interact with. Do you care as to whether that is a real person or whether it's a uh, um, an AI-driven equivalent? Yeah, because I'm thinking that if you go to a website and you're looking for help and you're talking to a chatbot, that chatbot will do all it can to help you. And if finally at the last stage it realises I can't do any more, I'll transfer it to a real person. That's great. Yeah, That's absolutely. Real. Yeah, but I suspect there'll be a demographic thing here as well, whereby certain people will always be a certain generation may always be more comfortable dealing with the person, uh, uh, and a certain generation will be um, will be quite happy to deal with whatever is available to them 
in order to get to the the best outcome for them, which you kind of think is is absolutely reasonable. Yeah, and also you're looking right now at AI soon. Will, all AI will be able to pass a Turing test that you won't know if you're dealing with somebody real or somebody who isn't real. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's an interesting one, though, is that do, do we want that and do we care about that or not? Uh, yeah. And we're back into the authentic um, fake fake versus real. Are people more comfortable knowing that they are dealing with somebody with a an AI bot um, rather than an AI bot trying to fool them into thinking that they're a that they're a person? And I think that I think that's where the authenticity becomes important. Yeah, because to me, it's like the Wizard of Oz. That you don't know to the very end he's not who you think who you think he is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing that uh, I always think that in that book is always always is always very important because when you think about it, everything assumed this Wizard of Oz was some really, really great goal, but he wasn't really. He just found a way to use technology to make people think he's something else and he's when he's not. Yeah, yeah. I mean Wizard of Oz, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean the other movie I always go to and I've gone to it more often. Um, particularly th- with this year's tech vision, I think Star Trek is a fascinating one in terms of you look at all of the technology they saw coming along, um, you know, 30, 30 or forty years ago at this stage. Yeah. From, whether it be the you know the mobile phone, the uh, the iPad, the yeah. tablets, um, the what was it the holodeck they called it? Yeah. Which is basically their, their you know their metaverse equivalent, yeah. albeit without the headsets. Um, it is incredible how the technology from there has gradually has been drip fed, if you like, over the last twenty or thirty years. Yeah, and also we think about the car- one of the characters, Jordy, uh, when he he has the basically the yeah. uh, headset for his eyes because he's blind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm thinking that's great, and that, that to me, technology like that. Will end up becoming reality. And you're thinking so. Back in the sixties, when they developed the communicator, that became basically what was the modern flip phone. Correct. And then Correct, you got yeah. the uh, the little device camera that was tablet. And then it's the, the tricorder. Right now, you can see that basically been a been a mobile phone, more or less. That's right. I think if you look, uh, I think there's a YouTube. There's a YouTube one. Uh, there's probably a couple of them, but I know there's one which goes through the. Uh, technologies from Star Trek that have uh, drip fed their way into into the real world, which is kind of it's an interesting ten minutes if you've uh, ten minutes to kill at some point. Yeah, and just think how long is it before we get a, a real transporter? Because right now they've managed to transport across, like uh, I think it was a, a grain of thought or something across between two different devices. Yeah. And as long as it before, before we get a device that works, to end up like maybe the fly where you get two DNAs mixed together. Oh, absolutely, and that's—I think that's one of the—that's uh, one of the big ones. You look at Star Trek, and you go, "Yeah, that's that—that that would be the uh, the game changer, if you like." But actually, you know, I've spoken to people about it, and they their view is, "Well, um, the metaverse goes some way to bridging that because rather than actually going somewhere for real, people can go to a place um, in that you know in that virtual um, in that virtual way." Now. Personally, I don't believe that'll ever replace the real thing, um, but you know, time will tell. Yeah, because I think at the moment, looking at that, I'm, I'm thinking we can look at this and like at times you're thinking this is pure Hollywood, but it's come more like like the Matrix. You can, I can see one day a version of Metaverse been like the Matrix. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen the Matrix now. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what you know, I have. Um, Focusing more on the VR side of things, I have the headset. I've done quite a bit of playing around with it, and there are 
It is incredible how immersive it is now. Um, even if you just um, go on and go on to U- YouTube 360 and um, watch some of the fully immersive videos, um, you know, some of those videos, if they involve motion, it's very hard to stay standing uh, while you're uh, while you're watching them, when, yeah. when you're careering down a ski slope or when you're in a roller coaster or something like that. And I do think once they get the the you know the movement element of it embedded, and you know there is work going on with the treadmills and whatnot. Once yeah. they get that embedded, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an incredible experience. Because five years ago, I did a meta, I did a version of that with a, a Facebook, and they did what he had to on, and you were actually off the script, and you you were going to a, a Dublin GA match, and it shows you walking walking along Jones's Road and all these other roads up to the Croke Park, and you you felt you were there, and then you were going in, you were in Hill Sixteen, and you were singing along with the crowd. And if you yeah. look around, you felt you were there, and you started singing, because you couldn't tell you weren't there. It was great. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, I guess coming back to the tech vision a little bit, I do think it is, um, it's important that people and companies start playing around a little bit with this now, right? You know, I mentioned earlier that there is a little bit of scepticism within the Irish audience, and I think that's fine. The, you know, that this is a technology. The hype is always going to is always going to exceed it. Um but I do think that companies need to start playing around with it because it is going to be important. Um, you know, we have compared this to uh, 25 years ago when companies were wondering, do I really need a website? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's mad to think that that was genuinely a conversation that was going on 20 years ago. You know, am I not, will I not be fine with my existing business model? Um, you know, we're not saying, it's not as if the metaverse is going to make everything, you know, the existing ways of, Doing business disappear overnight, but companies could be missing a real trick if they ignore it. So that's why, you know, our certainly my advice is think like you would have thought 25 years ago. You, you, you know, um, you do need this is going to be big, there's too much money being spent on it for yeah. it not to be, and you don't want to be left behind. Well, 25 years ago, people would, wouldn't have an email address, and, you, and you're assuming <clears> if I go if I go into this, into this online world and I have a website online, etc., presence online. How many people contact me? They haven't got an email address. I don't, they won't have it. Nowadays, yeah. everyone's got them because they've got a smartphone. They've got one automatically. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the, the last 20-odd years has proven that people's, people's willingness to ad- adopt new technologies is, is greater than anybody would have ever anticipated. As you said, everybody has an email address because you pretty much have to if you have a smartphone. Yeah. Pretty much everyone has a smartphone. Like 20 years ago, people mostly had Nokia's, and at the time, the only thing you could play in it would, would be Snake. And then if you, if you look at what you're getting now, you're getting some games on there now that are, that are just as good as, as on a proper games console. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd forgotten about Snake, but yeah, people still played it, which just yeah. goes to... I think that opens up a different... Uh, that's probably a different discussion. Yeah, but it just shows you with technology how basically it's changed and... and, and uh, what were you used 20 years ago? We're not using now. We look back at Snake now and think antiquated. But I, but I also think that um, most of us, I'm not saying all, right? Because in fairness, there are always visionaries out there, but most of us could not have anticipated where we were going to end up 20 years, you know, where we are now 20 years ago. Um, you know, there's just too many, too many, there would have been too many questions left unanswered. Yeah. Um, but that, but uh, the only way we're going to answer you know, these kind of questions is by by dipping our, th- our toe in the water and actually start playing around with this stuff. Um, start, um, 
uh, yeah, start playing around with it, start experimenting in order to start answering some of the questions. You know, will human interaction suffer in this new world? Uh, what services are going to people people going to want in the virtual world? Um, so lots of questions are are, are open, but um, that I don't that shouldn't stop people trying stuff out and uh, starting to educate themselves in this space. I can see the future where your personal assistant is going to be basically your mobile device, and it will tell you what's all, what, what's happening that day and and remind you. Oh, at three o'clock he got this meeting, and two o'clock that meeting, and that kind of stuff. I've, my phone, when it's behaving itself, does that on yeah. a regular enough on a on a regular enough basis. Um, sorry, my phone does it consistently. The problem is I don't always pay attention to it, and that yeah. then. Uh, but that's uh, that's my issue rather than the technology's issue. And I guess before we finish it off, what technology do you think is going to be soon become so standard ubiquitous we won't know it's there, but we're using it. Um, I think the. I think as the world becomes smarter, yeah. and as everything that we've spoken about becomes, um, moves up a level, it still amazes me that we are driving cars in the same way as we drove them, as, as my granddad would have driven his car. Yeah. Um, you know, fine, there's some differences, but, you know, materially, it, it's pretty much the same. You're still wasting, if you're going down to Cork, you're still wasting three hours glued to the, glued to the uh, windshield. Uh, so I do think... As the world becomes smarter, um, as cities and the rest of the country, you know, the, the um, devices become more embedded, I think, you know, that world, I think automotive is going to change fairly fundamentally, um, you know, and I think that, that's, a, that's a technology that does excite me. Um, you know, I think travel can be such a waste of time. Um, so to be able to give that time back to people, I think, could be really powerful. I think in 20 years' time, we'll have a scenario where we're going to basically have driving pods that we rent a, a pod to pick up from our, 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 where we live to go to either into town for shopping or, or go to work. And then we'll program it to co- collect me at a certain time to go home. That's going to be a feature, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And you see it even, I mean, the first step, and it's not a technology step, it's a cultural step, is, is happening already. When you go around Dublin, you see the go-cars. Um, yeah. You know, I don't want to say parked everywhere, but they, they do seem to be getting more popular where people are quite comfortable, not only in a car, quite comfortable, if you like, renting it um, and use and paying for what they need. And when technology catches up, the scenario you, you paint it there, which is, yeah, I'll, I'll order it on my phone, it'll collect me and it'll bring me to wherever I want to go and that's what I will pay for. Um, you know, that is, when you think about it, just so much more efficient than the model we have today where, you know, you drive out to suburbia and you'll see two cars sitting in in a lot of the driveways. Yeah. It'd be like Jimmy cars in Total Recall where you get the cab and, that's it, and it drives you to where you're going to go. Yeah, it's, look, it's another example of sci-fi. Us finally catching up with sci-fi. It, yeah. it takes a little bit longer, but there you go. And, and that note, I'll say thanks for a great com- conversation, Dave. I, I, I have a great day and... Uh, Talk to you again real soon. Thanks for that. Great. Thanks for that, Ronan. Good Thanks to talk to you. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.